0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Activate Preaching Podcast. My name is Jill Pelkey. And if you'd like to hear more from the Activate Podcast, you can check it out on YouTube, iTunes, or SoundCloud.com has all past episodes of the Activate Podcast. We're going to pray, and then we're going to get right into the Word of God together. Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for breath in our lungs, a new opportunity to live for you, a new opportunity to serve you, to serve the people around us. God, I thank you for all that you've given us, all the blessings that you've lavished upon us. We have so much because of you. So, God, I pray that we wouldn't hold anything back, that we would share what we have with others, that we would realize our blessing and we would be a blessing to other people. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for a life laid down on our behalf. And God, I pray that each one of us would lay down our lives on the behalf of others. God, I thank you for the opportunity to look into your word. Now open our hearts, God, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Today we're going to be in Ephesians chapter three. So if you have your Bible, turn right to Ephesians chapter three. Ephesians is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church of Ephesus. And he's writing this letter while he is in chains for the gospel. He is in jail writing this letter. And in chapter three, he starts off for this reason I Paul the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles so in the letter he introduces himself first um that was the way that they greeted people back then instead of dear Jill and then you do the letter from the apostle Paul it starts off I'm of the apostle Paul writing to you. So he says these words though, he says, I am a prisoner of Christ Jesus. He doesn't say he is a prisoner of the Roman guards who were surrounding him at the time. He didn't say he was a prisoner um, kept in Caesar's court. No, he is a prisoner of Christ Jesus. He looks to Christ Jesus as the one who is ruling and reigning over his situation. So everything that he's going through, he's going through for Jesus. Everything he's going through, he's going through in service to God. And he knows that God is big enough to be in control of the situation. When we look at situations in our lives, we have to recognize that God is in control. We have to recognize that he is bigger than the things that we see in front of us in the physical, natural realm. He is supernatural. And so, Paul recognizes that he is a prisoner of Jesus. He is not a prisoner of Rome. He is not a prisoner of people. He's not a prisoner of his situation. God is bigger. He is a prisoner of Jesus. And we can see all these hundreds and hundreds of years later that he was a prisoner on purpose to be able to write most of the New Testament for us. He was a prisoner on purpose to write most of the New Testament. This he could not see or even comprehend at that moment. But God foresaw it. God put him there on purpose. Was it comfortable? No. Were there nights where it was hard or days or months where it was hard? Absolutely. And so too in our lives, when we go through seasons that we don't understand, we, like Paul, have to say, I am a prisoner of Jesus. I am a prisoner of God himself. And whatever he has planned for my life, I will walk forward trusting him Every moment, whatever you're going through in your life right now, begin to look at it in a whole different light, begin to turn the coin over, look at the other side and say, I am going through this situation as a servant of God. So three verse one, he says, I, Paul, am a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And then in verse seven, he says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me. He refers to himself as a prisoner and a servant. Would you today begin to look at yourself that way? Would you begin to look at yourself as a prisoner and a servant instead of thinking about what we can get for ourselves or the position we deserve? Let's begin to look at ourselves as Paul looked at himself. He is a prisoner and a servant. Paul gave up his life that you and I would see the gospel at work. Paul gave up his life that the Gentile believers, the people that were not uh, the Israelites, that were not Jewish, would see the gospel at work. He gave up his life for someone less than himself in society. Gave up his life. This reminds us of Jesus, doesn't it? Who gave up heaven, who gave up living in heaven, came to earth and literally laid down his very life. Now, Paul laid down his life in a day-to-day, day to day month-to-month way. Are we also laying down our lives? Are we living as servants and prisoners? Are we living for our own mean and our own advancement? If I'm a servant, I'm not demanding. If I'm a servant, I'm taking direction. If I'm a servant, I'm caring for others. If I'm a servant, I'm listening to what others are telling me. If I'm a prisoner, I realize I have no rights. Which today do we see ourselves as? Do we see ourselves as Paul saw himself? Do we see ourselves as Jesus saw himself as a servant to all? At the cross, we see Jesus laying down his life. In his actions, we see Paul laying down his life. In what ways are you today laying down your life in service to the gospel? You see, your salvation Weaves into others' lives a lesson. Your living for God, your day-to-day living for Jesus, weaves a lesson into the minds and the narrative of other people's lives. They see you, and maybe your day may be mundane. Your day may be just regular. Your week may be just regular. Your month may be just regular. But you are living as unto the Lord. And it's a lesson for other people. Because the righteousness of God is revealed in your upstanding living. The righteousness of God will be revealed on your day-to-day choices of following Jesus. And we're going to talk a little bit later about the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God is so different than the wisdom of man. And I don't think any person who is a true Christian, any person who is a true follower of Jesus has a boring life because the wisdom of God is so different. The wisdom of God brings interesting things, interesting people, interesting moments into our lives. There are day-to-day things that are ordinary and the same and the same, but we are listening to the Holy Spirit. And as we listen to the Holy Spirit, He speaks to us things that we would have never come up with on our own or never seen on our own. I was talking to someone this morning who said he was home and reading uh, the Bible and he was reading some other books and just studying and seeking the Lord. And he really wanted answers on what he was praying and seeking the Lord about. But instead, the Lord said, get up and go see your neighbor. Clear as day. And so this person got up and went and saw his neighbor and God revealed stuff to him just by talking to his neighbor. That's not man's wisdom. That's supernatural wisdom. The answers to our questions don't come in our timing. They come in God's timing. You know, I was seeking God about something, and uh, it came to me while well, I was in the middle of doing something else, in the very middle of a task that required my attention, the Lord began to speak words uh, from Scripture into, into my mind, and so I looked it up. With one hand, I was doing the one thing I had task that I had to continue doing, and with the other hand, I was flipping through Scripture to find the verse that the Lord had given me, and it answered a question that I had been asking for a long time. Why would God give that to me in the middle of all the other things that I was doing? I don't know, but it was for that moment at ta- in, in that time. God speaks to us. His wisdom is so much bigger than ours and so different than ours. And so in his wisdom, he says, don't elevate yourself. Make yourself low. Don't demand your own way, but listen to what others say to you. Paul listened, not just to his own revelation that the Lord had given to him. He was given revelation, straightforward direction from the Lord to go to the Gentiles. But then it was confirmed by Peter, who was an apostle and a leader in the church. He said, yeah, the Lord spoke to me the same thing. You are supposed to go to the Gentile church. And then the Old Testament scriptures, the Bible that they had confirmed again, that this is what he was supposed to be doing. And Paul goes and he gives up All respect of other people. There were people in the church world that hated him. There were people in the non-church world that hated him. But it did not matter because God had revealed and confirmed what he was supposed to do by the leaders that were over him in his life. By the scriptures that he had known and memorized, he began to see this mystery of God was revealed in his life. This mystery of what the Lord was doing for, for the whole story played out from beginning until then, that God had a plan and he was going to use Paul to go to the Gentiles and say, you are one church. So he is a prisoner and a servant. We too can be a prisoner and a servant. We should be. We ought to be like Jesus. If we want to be like Jesus we're going to serve. We're going to be a prisoner. We're going to have to give up what we want out of this life. I remember when I was deciding if I wanted to be a Christian or not, and I was about 16 years old, and I was sitting in my bedroom, and I began to go over what my what I thought my life was going to look like. And I was considering, I was counting the cost. I said, you know, if I'm going to be a Christian, then that means I'm probably going to have to Marry another Christian. And that means I'm probably going to have to raise my kids to be Christian. And I started to think, Am I willing to live that life? Am I willing to live a life given over to God, given over to Christian principles and Christian ideas and the Christian life? Was I willing to forsake the life that I had to live a life for God? And I began to to play over what this would look like in that situation and that situation. And I realized that things in my life would have to drastically shift in order to live a life and be called a Christian. And I decided in that moment in my bedroom that I would forsake everything else and I would live a Christian life. doesn't mean I lived it perfectly. It means I still am not living it perfectly, but I counted the cost. I said, God, I am yours. No longer my way, but your way. You tell me what to do and I'll do it. You tell me where to go and I'll go. And my life has been an an extreme adventure since then. And there are days and months and even years where it's just one foot in front of the other and you're just living an everyday life, just an ordinary life. But those ordinary decisions to follow Jesus in the little ways, to decide not to slander someone, to decide not to gossip, to decide not to do uh, something wrong, but to live a godly life, those things begin to develop in your life. And the Lord at just the right time says, now go and do this. Now go and do that. God had a master plan for the Gentiles, and Paul was given special grace, it says, to lead the Gentiles into a right relationship with the Lord. But Paul had to give up his life. I'm sure if Paul laid out a plan of what he thought his life would look like, this was as far opposite as it could be. He gave up all rights to his own pride, all rights to his own money, all rights to his own uh, housing situation, all rights to where he would live and what he would eat and who he would be around. He gave up his right to demand respect. People hated him. He gave up his life so the gospel could be seen at work within him. He was a prisoner and a servant. Now I want to turn our attention to verse 10. Paul is talking about God's purpose, and he says, his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be na- made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Where was it through? His intent was that through the church, that God should be made known. Through the church, through a group of people bonded together by love, through the Church. And again, later on in in chapter 3, verse 21, he says, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever. The church is the unity of people who otherwise would not be unified. It was Jew and Gentile together, it was man and woman, slave and free. It was breaking down every barrier that we want to put up. It was saying, We are all prisoners, we are all servants, we are all in one accord. When the Holy Spirit came, the people were praying and they were in one accord. They were of one mind. He says, through the church, it will shake the heavenly realms. The powers of the universe will take note of what? The church. The church is not a single person, the church can never be a single person. The church is a a body of believers. This is a mystery. This is impossible. To come together to serve God. You have to lay down your own preferences. You have to lay down your own ideals, your own pride. I realized that I really like to go shopping alone. I don't like to go with other people. I like to go clothes shopping or food shopping or craft supply shopping on my own do you want to know why I like to go shopping on my own? Because I'm selfish. Because I like to do my thing and my timing. I like to come home when I'm ready. I like to go when I want to, stop when I want to. I like to try on stuff and not wait for anybody else. When I go shopping with a group of people, well, someone wants to go to one store, and someone else takes forever looking through this rack of clothes, and somebody else wants to go to this restaurant, and no longer do I get to do exactly what I want to do. Now I'm in community and it takes longer and I might not get through as many stores as I wanted to get through or, uh, but what does happen is I might see clothes or items or things that I never would have seen before because I never would have stopped at this particular place or this spot. But what God says is, stop putting your ideals first. Stop being selfish. Get in a church. A church means that you're not going to sprint full speed ahead. It means it might take longer, but you're all going to get there together and no one's going to get left behind. A church means you're going to have to lay down some of your pride. You're going to have to listen to people that you might not want to listen to. You're going to have to become a prisoner and a servant. You're going to have to become like Paul and like Jesus and get along with people. And work through hard situations. You're going to have to work through your sin. You're going to have to work through other sin. You're going to have to work through and work through and work through. The glory of God is revealed through the church. The manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. He's talking about angels. He's talking about fallen angels. He's talking about the fact that when the church is unified, the glory of God is seen in a way that it's not seen anywhere else in all of history. And the church is made birthed out of the unity of the Gentiles and the Jews. It's birthed out of the unity of male and female, slave and free. It takes down every barrier. This is a God can restore every person, every situation, every marriage, every uh, broken relationship. It can be restored. And the church is a glowing glory of God saying, look, my fallen people have not only been, been transformed, but they're transformed and they're in unity together. God's marvelous, mysterious plan is the church. Do you want to plan like Jesus planned, like Paul planned? See, they had plans to do certain things, but Jesus said, I only do what my father says to do. He said, I only do the will of my father, the one who sent me, and whatever God told him to do, he did. And he even came to the place of the cross. He said, God, if you could take this cup from me, if I could just not do this, that'd be great. And God said, no, I still want you to do it. And he did it. He laid down his life. He followed the supernatural plan of his father. And likewise, Paul had all kinds of places he wanted to go, things he wanted to do. And God said, I I am not allowing you to go to this place right now or to that place right now. Here's where I want you. I want you in a prison cell guarded by Roman soldiers. And he did what God told him to do because he was a servant. The wisdom of God is different than our wisdom. If you want to plan like Paul, if you want to plan like Jesus, here's the plan. You listen to the Holy Spirit of God, which is going to direct you somewhere you literally could not think up. If you want to plan like them, you have to be ready to be in for the ride of your life, directed by God, by the word of God, by people over your life. Plan like Paul, listen to God. Our main issue is bowing our knee. Our main issue is getting rid of our pride. Our main issue is we know we can run further if we run ourselves. I know I can get more shopping done if I go by myself. I know I can do exactly what I want if I just do it by myself. But God's supernatural wisdom is the church. His supernatural wisdom is to go with a team. His supernatural wisdom is to make yourself less and serve and serve and serve and be a prisoner to Jesus and to serve people even when it doesn't feel good, even when they're mean to you. The church was mean to Paul, continually mean to Paul. The non-churched people were mean to Paul. The apostles were mean to Paul. And yet this was God's perfect supernatural plan for him. That things would come at him from all sides. People would come at him. Plus he would have what is often referred to in scriptures, the thorn in his flesh. And he asked God to take it away. So he had this always nagging thing coming at him. He had people coming at him. He was literally in chains. And this was God's plan for his life so that God could be exalted in him. That we could see Christ in him. And it's because of Paul's obedience to the Lord and the plan that the Lord had to him. Revealed right to him, revealed by his church leaders, and revealed by Scripture. This plan put him in prison. This plan put him in chains. And the plan was that he would bring together the Jews and the Gentiles and say, You all have access to God. His life was laid down so that we could see that. Jesus' life was laid down so that we could see a way to God. In what ways is your life being laid down? If you are so independent that you can't go to church, you can't find any church that fits your ideals, then you're a lot like me wanting to shop by yourself and just get your own thing done in your own way. And I really believe that the Lord would say that His plan is that you would find a church. His plan that you would get in a body of believers. You don't have to agree with absolutely everything. You have to agree that Jesus is Lord. You have to humble yourselves. Submit to the authority that He puts over you because all authority comes from God. Let God work it out. He's got a bigger plan. Paul didn't know that he was writing the New Testament when he wrote it. You don't know what God's going to work out in your life as you're doing it. You obey God. You become a prisoner to Jesus. You become a servant to everyone. And you watch what God's supernatural wisdom does. But he says, if you go and you join a church, if you're part of this body, that even the heavens will take notice, the angels will take notice and say, not only have you restored this one person to salvation, but you restored them as a body, as a group of people that can get together in brotherly love. That breaks down every barrier. That it's not about how much money you make. It's not about position or power. It's not about if you're a girl or if you're a boy. It's not about anything besides Jesus Christ. Our salvation is worked out at church, our salvation is worked out in the community of other believers as iron sharpens iron. As people sin against us, and we have opportunity to get rid of offense and to forgive, and we have opportunity to grow, and we have opportunity to count it all joy when we face trials of many kinds, of various kinds, as we work out our anger, and we realize that human anger doesn't produce the righteousness that God desires, and as we work out our salvation with other believers around us. And then the flip side of that, when we sin against other people, we have the opportunity to apologize. We have the opportunity to grow and to change. We have the opportunity to be confronted because, you see, Paul didn't just go on his own revelation. He went on the revelation that he had and his leader had. And not only that, he had and his leader had, but the word of God had. And he wasn't a renegade off by himself. The church is made to bring glory and honor to God as a collective body of believers. It's not always easy Paul's chains were not easy. His prison cell was not easy. It's not supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be godly. It's not supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be godly. And what God asks of his own son, he asks of us, will you lay down your life? Will you get rid of pride in your life? Will you stop going shopping on your own and go with another group of people because you'll be surprised at what you'll find. You'll be surprised at the place that you end up. It won't be where you chose. It'll be where God directs you to go. You'll end up at the right place. Can we trust like Paul that God has this overarching control of our life, that he knows the direction he's leading us in, that everything that we go through is because of him. He goes before us. He prepares our way before us. Even a place in the midst of our enemy, he prepares for us. Ephesians Ephesians 3.10 says his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. I want to encourage you today to become less, to stop demanding your own way, to become a prisoner of Christ, to lay down your very life, to die to your own thoughts for your life and say, God, whatever you have for me, I trust you. I trust that your way is better. If Paul had made a map of what his ministry should look like, he would not have gotten where he got to. It is only because he laid down his life and trusted the word of God revealed to him and to the leaders around him. That he got to where he got to. Do you want to be like Paul? Do you want to be like Jesus? Lay down your life. You, Jesus. I will lay down my very life for you, Jesus. When it's uncomfortable, when it feels like a prison cell, I'll know that, God, you have a bigger plan here. He has a plan for your life. No matter what it feels like, we have to know that He has a plan. Get involved in your church because you're going to work out your salvation. You're going to work out things. You're going to come in contact with people who are going to hurt you. You're going to come in contact with people who will gossip about you. And likewise, you're going to come in contact with people who will raise you up and lift you up in prayer and come alongside you and help you to grow. God's plan was for a church. He's coming back for a church, a bride without spot or wrinkle. It's a mysterious plan, and it shakes the heavenly realms. What a mystery. This is not how I would do it. This is not how anyone else would do it, because it's a supernatural plan. Supernatural plan is this. Become a servant. Become a prisoner. Get involved with other people who may or may not hurt you, and grow, and continue to grow. And God will be glorified, not only here on earth, but in the heavenly realms. Next week, we're going to pick up with the second part of Ephesians chapter three. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word that pierces our heart. It separates bone from marrow. It separates the intentions of our heart. And God, there's some of us that our intentions are just plain bad. Our intentions are just plain prideful. And God, I pray that you would come in and you would begin to transform us to see you. God, I pray that each one of us would spend time in your presence. In your presence, the yoke of slavery is broken. And we can be joyful servants. We can be joyful prisoners in your presence. God, you remind us who you are in your presence. You make all things new in your presence. There's fullness of joy. So God, I pray that we would find time in your presence to be renewed, that that spring of living water would bubble up inside of us and we would be refreshed in your presence. There's no substitute for your presence. Everything else is a crutch. Your presence is what we crave and what we need. You are breath and life to us. You are our food. You are our bread of life. You are our living water. So God, today we come and we feast on you. We drink from your cup. God, we spend time. We lean into who you are. And God, in your presence, God, I pray that you would reveal your wisdom to us. You would reveal your plan, that you would show your hand. Show us, God where to go, where not to go, what to do, what not to do. We trust you, God. No matter what comes at my life, I trust you, God. I have decided to follow you. I have decided that no matter what comes in circumstances, no matter what comes in my feelings, I will follow you. So Lord, I pray that you would help us stand steady and fast. That, God, we would be reminded that we stand on a rock that does not move. Help us to be like Paul. Help us to be like your son, Jesus. Help us to lay down our very lives knowing that your wisdom is better, that your plan is greater. We trust you, Jesus. We give this day to you. Anything you have for us, we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.